Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I have the honour to bring the word this morning and I want to bring a word along a thought today of the cry of the heart. I want to unpack the life of somebody who resonates with me in Scripture, a woman named Hannah. You'll, you'll find her account in the first book of Samuel in the Old Testament. In fact, the beginning of the book begins with her story. And in fact, without Hannah's example, so much that we read about in Scripture would not have taken place. That she is one of those people that it seems like history turned on her prayer. And that had she not broken through in what she was persevering and holding on to and not willing to give up in, history would have played out in a completely different way. And the beautiful thing is that we can look at her life and see how God is calling us to carry the same heart that cries out for breakthrough no matter what. Just to set the scene, if I can, Hannah was in a complicated situation. Her husband, Elkanah, loved her, valued her, cherished her, esteemed her above all. But she was in a complicated situation because in the culture of that day, it was not uncommon for people within the nation of Israel, which was a nation that was built on the principles of God. In fact, the only nation at that time that was But unfortunately, what would happen from time to time is that the cultures around Israel would bleed in in unhealthy ways and cause the culture of God's people to amend and bow itself to the culture around it. And so they would sometimes tolerate or propagate or promote practices that did not reflect the heart of God. And in Hannah's situation, she was in a complicated relationship. Because even though she had a husband who loved her, who doted over her, who cherished her, Hannah was not the only wife to a husband. And there we go. That's awkward. It's awkward because it doesn't reflect the heart of God. See, from the beginning of creation, God designed one man, one woman to come together to create a family. But during the time of Hannah, things had eroded and Hannah was in the environment where she was in a complicated relationship. And what made it more complicated is even though Hannah was loved by her husband and esteemed and cherished, the other wife had all the children and Hannah had none. And in our culture today, where maybe we can pick and choose at certain points, maybe that's okay. But in that culture, that culture, certainly that was not okay. Because to be loved and to be esteemed and to to be appreciated, but to not have children in that culture was very much looked down on. And that's unfair. And that does not reflect the heart of God. But Hannah suffered extreme persecution because for whatever reason, the hope of her heart had not been fulfilled. And she lived out in constant disappointment. The reality that her hopes were not yet manifested. In those environments, it's easy to give up, especially when you see others prospering in the things that you would love yourself. Especially when it feels like others are rubbing them into you. And that's exactly the environment that Hannah was in. And it says in the beginning of 1 Samuel that 
year after year, her and her family would go up to a place called Shiloh, which means a place of rest. And Shiloh was important in that day because at that point in history, that's where people went yearly to worship God in a unique way. That's where this thing called the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where priests would serve and receive sacrifices from people and allow them to engage with God like they couldn't in their normal home environment. And so year after year, Hannah's husband Elkanah would take his family to this place, Shiloh, to worship God. And year after year, Hannah would show up. Year after year, she would show up crying out for a miracle, crying out for a breakthrough. And at any point, she could have opted out. At any point, she could have chosen to stay home in their hometown, in their village, looking after the things of those affairs. But instead, year after year, she went to the house of God to seek her breakthrough. And we pick up the account in 1 Samuel Chapter 1, verse 9, and it says this. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, If you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, And her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Could you imagine that, going year after year, crying out to God for the breakthrough? And if I can just unpack the picture before I unpack what difference this story makes for us today. In that account, Hannah is pouring out her heart without reservation. And we see this man, the high priest, Eli, it says that he's reclining at the post, at the entry place, to the worship of God. And that's not lost on me that the writer would unpack it that way because during the time of Eli, the high priest, the priests had lost their way. So the purpose of the priests in that culture was to worship God by helping people connect with God. 
That was their role. They, they weren't separate from people. They were, they were meant to help people connect with God. That was their sole purpose. A priest was not above people, but a connector with people. A, a, a priest was meant to take people by the hand and lead them in so that they could connect with God directly. A priest is a conduit of the blessing of God. But this priest, as he's watching this woman cry out her heart, does not enter into the story. He observes it from afar. And he observes it from afar because this priest in himself and at that time was part of a priesthood that at its core was corrupt. They were in position or saw their position as a means of gain to take from others instead of give out what God has given them. And it's interesting that year after year, year after year, Hannah is going into this environment where nobody is connecting her with God and she had every opportunity to opt out. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine going year after year, crying out to God and the priests who are meant to help connect you into faith in that environment are not there to support. But she was unwilling to give up. Sometimes we just need to grab hold of the resilience and the reality that our faith is in God and not people. And that we can draw from Him directly, no matter what. She goes on to pray a prayer. She prays a prayer that she's asking God, would you give me a son? Would you give me a son so my husband Elkanah's name would be passed through me? Would you give me a son? And she makes a vow before the Lord, a dedication, something out of her heart bubbling up. And she says, this really strange thing, no razor will touch his head. And I know in our culture today, that might be a very strange thing to pray it's not often that kids, parents are putting their kids to bed at night and saying, Lord, I'll make sure that they never, ever, 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 ever shave. Just, Lord, I thank You for my son, Liam. He's 11 years old. He's already got hair growing around his chest, under his arms. We need to give him deodorant. Lord, he's got a moustache forming. But you know what, Lord? He will never shave. I'll make sure of it. He's going to look like Boof. <laughs> Best beard in the building, Boof. See, that prayer though was inspired by something that was very unique at that time. There was a thing called a Nazarite vow where people could make for a season a unique commitment to God where they would grow their hair out, where they would choose to abstain from all forms of alcohol, where they would, in context of the culture, choose to abstain from sugar and not touch dead things. Could you imagine dedicating to your God? It was like living a fasted life. And so imagine going through a fast where you said, no alcohol, no sugar. And in that, I'm not gonna hide what I'm going through. I'm gonna grow my hair out. And the idea was that within the culture of the day, if you went down shopping and you found somebody with dreadlocks down to their knees, you knew they were in a Nazarite vow. And what it was, was to show people that in our culture, we are different. We are different. We can't hide the fact that we're different to the nations around us. We're different to others, but we're different because our God is different. And He calls us to be holy just as He is holy. Our God loves us so much that He wants to meet with us and be with us, just like these people with the Nazarite vow walking around. And so Hannah prayed a prayer, didn't consult the son that was yet to come. She just, hey, he's a Nazarite. He's gonna have long hair. But the idea was that she knew 
that even though she was desperate for the breakthrough, the greatest victory would be able to see somebody come out of her breakthrough that would extend the kingdom of God. Goes on to say, again in verse 12, just to recap, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard and Eli thought she was drunk. It's interesting to me that Eli was not used to seeing people worship God with everything they had. It's interesting to me that he was used to maybe people getting tanked and thinking that that was normal. But instead, he is presented with somebody who is pouring out their life to God. It says, verse 14, And said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine a beer. I was pouring out my heart and soul to the Lord. See, Eli was used, I imagine, to people grabbing hold of things to get them by, things to get their faith through. But Hannah is presenting a different way. She is somebody who is grabbing hold of faith instead of stuff. And Eli could not recognise it. The priesthood was so broken that they almost propagated people drawing on other stuff to get through. If you have this, if you take that, if you use that, you just need this, that, 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 that. But that will not answer the breakthrough. Hannah, year after year, doesn't engage with the things of the culture. She engages with faith. And here today, we have so much going on, so much opportunity to grab hold of whatever we want to get through our days. We have unlimited choice before us. We can shop till we drop. We can get whatever we think we need. We can draw out credit cards when we don't even have the money to buy what we want. Buy, buy now, stress about it later. And we honestly live our lives tapped out, thinking if I just have this, that will make the difference. But what if it doesn't? What if Hannah's example is still as real today as it was the day that she prayed it? What if instead of reaching out to grab hold of that, we grab hold of God and we draw upon Him directly? What if Jesus really satisfies? She was pouring out her soul. Her heart was broken, but she wasn't broken in it. Now it says the recent studies have shown that the heart sends signals to the brain that are not only understood by it, but also obeyed. Scientists have discovered neural pathways and mechanisms, there we go, whereby input from the heart to brain inhibits or facilitates the brain's activity. Do you know that your heart actually leads your life? Do you know if you live just out of your mind, and the thoughts rage and the narratives build up. That's a trap. Hannah had the opportunity to live out of what she did not have, but her heart was poured out to God and she grabbed hold of the faith that said, you are the God who can make something happen when nothing has taken place as yet. And she allowed her heart to lead her life. Each and every one of us have an opportunity every day we get up whether we're going to tolerate and allow the raging of our uncontrolled thoughts to lead us or a heart after the things of God. Scripture says that He keeps at peace those whose mind is stayed on Him. Draw from Him in your heart.
Hannah's story lives out to us today because she is somebody who did not give up. Because the story goes on in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 to 20. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. You know, I intentionally changed translations. The NIV said it differently. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. Can you say son? She named him Samuel. Can you say Samuel? Because she said, I requested him from the Lord. Hannah's heartfelt prayer brought the breakthrough. And she conceived and gave birth to a son. And his name was Samuel. And Samuel set things in order in the heart of God. I want to submit to you today, what difference does this all make? What difference does Hannah's story make for us today as we live out our lives in the year 2023? Here's some thoughts. Year after year, she went to the house of God in Shiloh, the place of rest. And I want to submit to you first and foremost today, consistency matters. Consistency matters. That had she stopped showing up, would the breakthrough have ever had happened? What if out of consistency, God does a work in us that brings us to a point of faith that we would never get to otherwise? What if in thinking that we need things handed to us on a platter, God is more concerned about doing the deep work in us so that we can receive it well? And what if consistency matters? What if the time after time, what if the year after year, what if that's what builds a life of breakthrough? What if that's what brings the difference? What if that's what makes the change? It's not a matter of showing up one day. Every now and then it's a matter of showing up every day and bringing into our lives a heart that is willing to be poured out and allow the breakthrough to be birthed in us. Hannah's cry is a cry of the heart that birthed a breakthrough for a nation. What if God is calling us to be a people that would embrace that today? What if the breakthrough that God wants to birth in you, that you're praying time after time after time after time is so necessary because it is doing a deep work in you. And then as it does a deep work in you, He can work through you and change the world around you. What if your breakthrough leads to the breakthrough of others? And so do not give up in doing good because in due course, you will reap the harvest. Consistency matters. The other thing that comes out and saying, what difference does this make? Instead of disillusionment, Hannah became dedicated. See, consistency is one thing, but dedication is another. Dedication means that I'm willing to take what I have and I'm willing to give it to God. Dedication means what we just celebrated with child dedications where we receive the fact that we've been blessed to raise children, love children, nurture children, but we receive the fact that they're not ours ultimately, they belong to the Lord. See, a life of dedication says that every minute matters, every hour matters, every, every week matters, every, every month matters, every year matters because my life is not my own. I was bought with a price. And it's worth me living for Jesus if He was willing to give everything for me. And what if the life that births breakthrough is one that's built up of dedication? 
That means that when I want to remove myself in disillusionment, I come to God and say, would you clarify again what it means to persevere through this and hold on. Hannah's cry birthed a breakthrough for a nation. What will your cry purchase because of your consistency, because of your dedication? The other thing that jumps out out of her life is her open-handedness. This one's a hard one to convey, I got to admit. And I can't imagine what it was like to be Hannah, least of which because I don't know what it's like to have lived in her shoes. But imagine desperately needing this breakthrough and knowing that you need it, but holding this breakthrough so open-handed that you immediately in the same breath give it to the Lord. She's crying out for this breakthrough, but in the same breath, she's saying, I want this breakthrough so I can give it to you, God. Isn't that ridiculous? Surely she's praying for the breakthrough so she can solely enjoy it. That this, this is the thing that I need to live a fulfilled life. But what if what she needs to live a fulfilled life is to love God with everything that she has and love those around her? And what if in that she's persevering for a breakthrough because that's the desire of her heart, but the desire of her heart is ultimately to worship God with everything that she has and everything that she has will be the son that she gets. And what if Hannah's cry of open-handedness, Lord, I get so that I can give. What if that births a breakthrough, not just for her, but her entire people? What if we're called to carry the same heart, church? What if we're called to persevere for breakthrough, not so that we can simply get, but so that we can get to give out of that? Because I'm going to tell you what happened through the life of Samuel. See, Samuel, her son, the focus of her breakthrough would go on. She brought him back to Silo years after he was born. And she brought him back to dedicate him and she handed him over to the Lord to be raised at Shiloh under a corrupt priesthood. But see, Samuel did not bow to that. Samuel engaged with the heart of God and he sparked a revolution that changed the nation. Samuel, her son, the focus of her breakthrough, the prize of her breakthrough. She didn't cling to Samuel. In all of it, God was the priority. He was the victory. If we can invite the worship team to come and join us. So we bring this to a close. So Samuel, her son, this is what he accomplished. He was trained up as a priest, but he would not remain just that. He would go on to revolutionise a broken priesthood. He restored true worship. Where others had used their priesthood as gain, serving God so that they could get something for themselves, Samuel lived a different way. He became a priest who lived and served on behalf of others. He revolutionised a priesthood. He reintroduced the prophetic to the nation so that the voice of God was heard again. No longer were there people like Eli in positions of authority meant to hear the voice of God. Leaning on the doorposts to the tabernacle, Samuel was front and centre, helping people to engage with God personally and directly. He became a priest on mission, a prophet who called others to hear the voice of God. 
He caused people to discover the fact that God was calling them to be more rather than less. And He discovered and anointed and set up the first kings of Israel. Samuel under God was a priest whose heart for the people empowered them to encounter God. The prophet who guided the nation into the plans and purposes of God. He was the king maker who laid the groundwork for the king that the people were ultimately waiting for. Hannah was consistent. She was dedicated. She was open-handed. And as a church, on Mother's Day, as we celebrate the mums, let's grab hold of the heart of a mum that was yet to be, that was willing to face the adversity and not give up, that was willing to push through the disillusionment into dedication, that was willing to grab hold of the promises of God not just for herself, so it would lead to the breakthrough of others. And this set up the kings that would reign throughout Israel, ultimately leading to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus himself. Finally, in John chapter 9, verse 1 to 3, generations and generations after Hannah's cry, generations and generations after Samuel set up the kingdom in Israel, there came a king who was born in a manger. A king who had others come in to honour him and esteem him, but he was not honoured and esteemed by his own people. He was rejected by those he'd come to serve. He did not lay his head in a palace. He did not sit on a throne. He walked from town to town in Galilee and the region of Judah, Judea inviting people to enter into a different type of kingdom. The kingdom that I believe Samuel ultimately came to see kick-started on earth, the Kingdom of God, which is available for all who enter in when they choose to follow the one true King. That this King who came generations and generations after the cry of Hannah's heart, cultivated and empowered people to grab hold of the cry of their own heart. And through that consistency and that dedication and that open-handedness, He came to empower us to live in Him. The name of that King is Jesus. Jesus is the only King who reigns forever because He came, He died. He was crucified for our sins so that we could live free. He was broken so that we don't have to be. He was buried so that we don't have to be weighed down by the weight of sin and death and destruction. And He rose from the dead so that He could do something you or I could never do to lead us into life and life without limit and end. He is different but better. He is above but willing to come underneath. He is King but He came to serve. He is ruler, but He wants us to rule with Him. He's the only King in all of creation who sits on a throne that's big enough for you to sit on as well. That He wants to share His rule and reign with you in whatever circumstance you're in. There is room for you in the Kingdom of God because Jesus made the room. And He builds out of that consistency, that change, that journey, that I'm following Him, change, 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 and dedication and open-handedness. And He changes us along the way to make us who we're born to be. We don't have to accept the Eli's of the world that are leaning against the doorposts, watching life pass them by. We can be people on the front lines like Hannah, crying out with a poured out heart and allowing God to move through us 
to see our world change. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. By His own admission, He said that He have come to give life and life more abundant. What if the only way to live is to live in Him? What if the only way through is to follow Him? What if that's the cry of Hannah's heart? So when you read the story of Hannah, I've got to be honest, this a portion that challenges me. At the start of the chapter, it says that God closed her womb. And I, I can't hide what Scripture says. Why would God allow that? She's crying out for year after year, yet it says clearly at the start of the chapter that God had closed her womb. Why, God, would you allow that? Why would you do that to this faithful, honourable person? And it's the question that we all wrestle with. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is this such a battle? Why, 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 why? Why do we need to be consistent, dedicated and open-handed? Why can't we just get in love and enjoy it? But what if Jesus has come to remedy the greatest problem of all, that we live in a broken world and through Him working in us, He reverses the brokenness. Listen to this, John 9 verse 1 to 3. As He, Jesus, was passing by, He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked Him, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. And that man was healed. What if we need to carry the cry of Hannah's heart so that breakthrough can come through? What if the problem in the pain is that God is working in us, a breakthrough that needs to come through us to show the world the goodness of God? What if the thing that you're persevering in for now and that you wanna give up on because it is hard, I know it's hard. What if that is necessary for you to work through because the breakthrough that you get will change the lives of others if you do not give up? And what if the only way, I gotta be honest, is not to draw from me or anybody else that can come and pat you on the shoulder, although that is valid, but to draw on the one who makes a way where there does not seem to be a way, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one who lives, the one who is the same yesterday, today and forever, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. What if He is the only way? And before we open up the altar and we pray for people, and I have my burden to pray for specific people to begin with, I can't move on without putting out this as clearly as I can. And it's okay if we're all in the same position here and we're all know who we're following. But I, I have to say this as clearly as I can. You cannot go on. Oh, sorry, you can go on. It's your choice. But I wanna implore you, please don't go on. Don't leave this meeting on Mother's Day 2023 without having made the choice of your own volition, not anybody else's, that you will choose to follow Jesus for yourself so that He can work the breakthrough out of your life. You can't live by somebody else's faith. Hannah did not draw on the faith of Eli. 
She did not allow the other wife to bring her down. She grabbed hold of her own faith and she pressed on and the breakthrough came on. You need your own faith. Jesus is inviting you specifically, personally to work in and through you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.